Hello and welcome to another This Is The Music Meet podcast. For this episode, we are joined by Wolverhampton singer-songwriter Sam Lambeth, whose recent EP, Love and Exile, has amassed over 1,000 streams on Spotify alone. Sam, thanks very much for coming on, mate. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, Mark. It's a real pleasure. Big fan of uh, your podcasts and a big fan of your reviews as well. So cheers for having me on. Oh, thank, thank you very much. And uh, it's great to um, finally actually meet your face, well, kind of face to face, I guess, uh, <laughs> rather than just uh, all the emails and direct messages and stuff that we've had. Uh, when was it? Since about sort of late October, I think, uh, when the first single came out, I think. Is that about right? I think. Yeah, yeah. Going on for a year now. It's, it's crazy how fast it's gone. Mm, yes, definitely. It has. So, um, obviously, I just mentioned the uh, the figures there for love and exile um so how does it feel um hearing them figures for, for the ep especially obviously um as you sort of decided that you'd kind of retired uh from from sort of releasing any more sort of new music or anything well when i hear them figures i think christ i don't i don't remember listening to it that much myself and <laughs> <laughs> me, me nan my nan and my mom must have been listening as well um, but now, honestly, it's um, hearing it in isolation like that, it does kind of just put into perspective how how crazy it is, and um, you know, I, I and how lucky I've been with it. Really, um, I'm really, really grateful to Spotify, really, because I've been very fortunate that the songs got selected for for playlists. Um, mm-hmm. But but more than that, I'm really, really thankful to to people like yourself and p- people on social media. For, for giving me a chance, really, because like, like you say, I probably spoke to you back in October when I hadn't released a thing, you know, uh, no one really knew who I was. Not that many people know who I am now, but uh, <laughs> but um, everyone was so welcoming and everyone gave me a chance and uh, kind of welcomed me into the community, as it were. And I'm really thankful for everyone for not only giving it one listen, but for giving it repeated listens, I think. That means a lot when I see people tweeting about it, even now, you know, people post, I'm listening to this record today again. And uh, that really means a lot just to know that people have listened and enjoyed it enough to, to, to continue listening and adding it to the playlist and stuff. So it's been fantastic, honestly. I, I honestly didn't expect any of it. So I am truly blown away and um, yeah, really, really humbled by it all. Well, it's um, it is uh, it's richly deserved, uh, in, in my opinion. Obviously, you know I'm a, a massive, massive fan of yours. So, um, what was what was the recording process like for for Love and Exile? Because I'm guessing that you obviously recorded some of this during the middle of the pandemic, and so how how was it? Because obviously, obviously, you had a couple of um, I don't know if I call them friends or what, but obviously helped helped <laughs> you out with some of the some of the parts on 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 the record. Yeah. It was incredibly. Uh exciting and fun and um real fertile and creative period um uh, i had such a clear vision of what i wanted and not only that i had time uh, i think beforehand when i was in bands sometimes you can get into that kind of you're in your own bubble and it's a bit of a pressure cooker environment where mm-hmm. you know you're on a bit of you kind of on a factory line where you're gigging you're getting songs ready for the gigs you gig you record you get another song on the line and uh, sometimes he can get like that. And he was getting a bit like that for me uh, in certain bands I was in. Uh, so when I wasn't in the band and I wasn't making any music, all of a sudden I had all this free time 
to work on the a, you know a, a batch of songs and yeah. I didn't have to rush anything uh, I didn't have to think about the limitations of the songs as in you know if I wanted a piano or mandolin beforehand in, in the bands I was in naturally we'd question whether we'd be able to recreate that live you know yeah, but yeah, this band, there, was, there was there was none of those concerns and um, so it was kind of a real liberating experience and um, I had such a vast amount of time to work on the songs over lockdown yeah. um, so that by the time I went into the studio I kind of knew what most of the parts were going to do if you know what I mean like I was always open to suggestions but I went in kind of thinking well I know what guitar if I'm going to lay down here I know what kind of harmonica bit I'm going to put here I know what bass line I'm going to play and mm-hmm. um, because I, I mean I was conscious of uh, I knew I didn't want to go over in terms of the recording, you know what I mean? I thought, I've got six days, and that's all I'm budgeted for, I can't go over, so I need to make sure I don't waste any time when I'm in there. Um, So I I, I could say I went in with a real focus of what I wanted, I knew the kind of sound I wanted as a whole, you know, I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted a kind of cohesive sound, Um, I knew what influences I had, I knew what kind of tones and effects I wanted. Um, So that was good, but, it was really exciting being in the studio because again all of a sudden so many different ideas come up and having a fresh pair of ears from Ryan the producer that was invaluable really because obviously I'd spent so much time with these songs on my own and you do yeah. become a bit you come you become a bit deaf to them you know um it's hard to think of new ideas when you've spent so much time with them uh, but Ryan was able to say oh try this try that uh, don't try this don't try that I mean I remember dog days are coming again uh, every guitar part I had, Ryan was like, uh, now try something else, now try something else, now try something else. And, uh, in the end, I, I thought about sacking myself, to be honest. Um, but um, it, 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 that, it was great and it needed that, I think. It needed a, a fresh pair of ears and uh, Ryan's an amazing producer and anyone local to the West Midlands, 100% I'd recommend working with him. And yeah, like you touched upon, um, I had a couple of friends kind of involved. Um, so Zoe, who is in, is in kind of the band now, yeah. gigging, performing with me, um, she offered, well, I don't know if she offered, I think I kind of forced her into it, bless her, um, to play piano on me. Because I wasn't, I'm not a good enough piano player, really. I didn't feel confident enough to do it on the record. Yeah. And Zoe, to her credit, went away and come up with some really, really great piano melodies that I would never have come up with. So again, having her insight and her kind of a fresh pair of ears, that proved to be vital. And in terms of the other friend really well, her partner, Cal, um, he was someone I knew and I knew he kind of took up bass recently and I didn't own a bass. So I asked Cal if I could lend his bass. And actually that's how Zoe got involved because because they go out. When I asked about lending the bass, I said to him, you don't know anyone who plays piano, do you? And he said, well, Zoe plays and that was it then. And uh, the good thing is Cal, now plays in my band playing bass too. And um, yeah, they're both fantastic musicians and uh, yeah, been a pleasure to perform with them. Oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. So I think you kind of, you have kind of touched it on there, um, but sort of how do you, how do you go about writing the songs like in terms of the subject matter and, um, and also as well, kind of like the riffs and obviously the piano you just mentioned, but certainly not like the guitar, like the chords and the structures and stuff like that. Well, I never force it. Um, I never sit down 
and think, oh, it's been a while since I've written a song or I never sit down and think, right, today's a songwriting day. It's never really been the way I work. Um, I usually try to let it happen naturally. Um, some pe- I admire the people that can sit down and have that kind of work ethic where it's like, right, today I'm not leaving until I have a song. Yeah. But for me, I kind of, I wait for it to strike and it doesn't matter to me how long it takes, um, as long as it does happen, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for Love and Exile, there was a few songs that had been around for quite a while and I hadn't been able to use them in the previous bands I was in. Because as you've probably heard, they're quite ornate, they're quite acoustic they're quite uh, uh, mellow. Mm-hmm. And when I was in rock bands, uh, you know, uh, we didn't really want to go down that route. You know, we wanted to play stuff that was quite energetic and punchy yeah. and would be good live. Yeah. Uh, so I had these songs stored, some of them. And I think I sat down and said, well, now I'm on my own as a solo artist. I'm not in any bands. Uh, it's time to finally put some of these to record uh, before it's too late, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took those ideas, those songs, and I tweaked them a little bit to kind of fit the style I wanted because I knew I wanted to make a kind of acoustic driven record, um, yeah. kind of a Tom Petty kind of country rock record. Um, and as I, as I was kind of tweaking those songs, I, I worked on a, um, a few new tracks as well. Uh, just naturally from rehearsing the other ones, I'd land upon a chord structure that would work or a chorus would come into my head. Um, and it went from there, really. And in terms of the lyric writing, I knew I wanted to touch upon a few unifying themes, so like time. Um, I, well, I wanted to keep it fairly universal, so I wanted to touch upon fairly universal themes. So things like time, uh, friendship, religion, love, death. Um, there's, I know it sounds a bit bleak when I say it like that, but um, kind of these big big weighty kind of topics that I wanted to touch upon and um yeah so it kind of it kind of went from there with that I mean one of the ways I sometimes write believe it or not and I'm not sure if any other songwriters do this but I um I sometimes write titles down and then I write a song from that title and that sometimes helps me so how'd you find me for example that was a title I wrote down and then right right, yeah and it was like, okay, right, I'm going to try and write a song called How Do You Find Me Now? And uh, that sometimes helps me, actually. It helps kind of think of a chorus from that. And so I sometimes do it like that. When Love Ain't Enough was another example where that was a title before it was ever a song. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I approach it. With the guitar, I mean, I kind of had an idea of where I wanted the electric guitar to be. I knew I didn't want the electric guitar to be as prominent as it was before. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like I'd done that a lot. And I wanted to switch it up a bit, just for me, really. Um, I wanted it to be more expansive and not relying just on a, layers of electric guitar. I mean, I love that, but for me, I wanted to take a bit of a detour from that. So for me, it was just thinking, okay, well, where's it going to be? Where the guitar solo is going to be? And, you know, where's the electric guitar going to be without it being, without it overruling the acoustic and the piano? And um, yeah. So uh, Love and Exile, in a way, was an exercise in restraint, really, for me, because um, I could have put a lot more kind of guitar solos over it, really, but I held back a bit and thought, oh, no, maybe hear a piano or in, in, in case of how do you find me or a harmonica and um, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think um, uh, mentioned there with the themes of the songs as well, I think that each, each topic, <clears throat> excuse me, people, the, the, like the listeners can actually relate 
to the theme and, and to what you're trying to get across. So I totally understand why you've sort of tried to concentrate on them on them particular areas. And well, I think well, the, you don't need me to say. It. I think the the figures obviously that we've already mentioned, it, it, the proof is is in the pudding, as they say. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks very much. Um, it wouldn't be anything like I say. It wouldn't be anything without without you and 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 so many others listening, sharing, and reviewing. You know, um, so. I'm, I'm eternally grateful to 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 everybody really just for again just for taking a chance on me you know um because it's it's harder than it then you know when i say it like that it sounds like it's easy but it's not you know people are busy and people don't have much time to chill and when they do chill they oftentimes want to listen to music that they've they've heard before and mm -hmm. they know um so it means a lot that people stuck on a seven track ep from some random guy in Wolverhampton you know it mean, really means a lot <laughs> so um what is what's your personal favorite track from Love and Exile oh uh you know as you can guess it changes all the time depending on what mood I'm in and, and stuff like that I I actually would go I'd actually say the scenic route um when we did the record in the studio we all thought when I'm with you was 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 the best song we thought okay that's mm -hmm. the uh that's the MVP, if you if you like. Um, yeah. It had some kind of magic about it. But um, I think the scenic route for me um, was a kind of a bold move in a way to kind of end the record with like a six minute plus track. And yeah. it's very, it takes a while. It's kind of a slow burner, you know, you, you kind of one of those songs that I'd like to think maybe rewards the listener. I don't know. One of my mates did say to me, um, he listened to the EP for the first time, and the first thing he said to me was, "A two-minute intro for the for one song, really?" So uh, <laughs> I uh, I said, "Point taken, yeah." But um, it's a song I'm I'm really proud of because it kind of slowly reveals itself and it builds to a nice climax. And mm -hmm. um, I, I love playing that song live. Um, playing with the band now, obviously we approach them slightly differently because in the studio I, I never really thought about gigging or how we're going to kind of, you know. When I was in the studio before, I think right. Well, we'll play us. We play a solo live here, so let's put a solo here. But I'd never played these songs live before. Yeah. Um. So it's been kind of fun getting in the studio with the band and thinking, okay, so the scenic route sounds like this, but what can we do with it? You know, how can we kind of enhance it a little bit? Mm -hmm. And it's become a really long, even longer now. Um. I mean, we did it for Raw Sound TV a few weeks back, and. Uh, I knew it was slightly longer, but then when I looked, it was uh, 11 minutes long, um, which again, I suppose is, was, uh, is either brave or stupid, but again, it's just so much fun coaxing it out and kind of slowly building it up and then have it all come crashing down and yeah. having an extended solo. And, and I think because it's such a minimal song and it's only really it's built around four chords, mm -hmm. there's so much that you can do around those four chords they're like the bedrock and then you can do so much on the piano and the guitar and so yeah it's it's a, it's a real fun song to play and I, re I really enjoy playing it I think um when we rehearse it the guys get cramp after a while but uh, it's it's good fun to play and it's become a little bit of a, a de facto closer an epic closer for us <laughs> yeah well I can I can understand why and it obviously it fits really nicely actually with the um you know if you look at um, sort of like, I guess if you want to call them like more established bands, they all seem to have that sort of 
I guess like that, not signature, it's like uh, sort of like an epic outro, like last track that gets the, you know, a bit of a, a use your word, like a bit of a yeah. slow burner and then it gets the big build up and then it just sort of at the end just sort of just like, you know, just quietens down, but that that type of thing. And I think that it works. Um, Thank you. Yeah. It, it was something fantastic. I grew up on as well. I mean, um, you mentioned epic closes from, from, from big bands and obviously Stone Roses, you got Eye on the Resurrection. Um, yeah. And um, the Lars, I remember Looking Glass, that was a song I really, I think I always was kind of in awe of these epic kind of closes and I always wanted to do one one day. So. Well, you've definitely achieved it. And <laughs> if it's good enough for them, then, you know, why not give it a go? And you've definitely, um, definitely pulled it out of the bag there. Thank so um, next question here is obviously, I hope that everyone can, can see this. This is the artwork <laughs> uh, yeah. for, the, for the EP. Um, of number 27. Um, <laughs> and oh, look, that's a bit unlucky in rock and roll, isn't it? 27. Yeah, it is. Yeah, luckily I'm, I'm well past that age. So, <laughs> um, although it's my birth, uh, birthday, but anyway, no one really needs to know that. Um, so these are obviously all um, individually drawn, weren't they? What was what was the inspiration behind, behind the artwork? Yeah, I, I wanted to do some physical releases. Um, just to complement the, the uh, Spotify, really. Um, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to get my music out there uh, to people that still like to have physical copies of things. Mm. I mean, I knew obviously there was a currency in vinyl. I don't necessarily mean financially. I mean, there's um, yeah, some big substantial in vinyl, stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was my initial intention. I wanted to produce some vinyl and um, I wanted to do something just a bit different with it. I wanted to just do something where there was a quid pro quo situation, you know, where I got my music out there, but I also gave back to a cause I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think it all started, um, like I said, the original plan was that I wanted to have T-shirts and then that kind of didn't happen. Then I wanted to get covers that were kind of designed on online, but that didn't happen. And then I thought, well, it, I could go down the avenue of, of getting them drawn and then um, have you know, five or six different animals and get one on each one. And I've always been passionate about kind of, you know, WWF and I've tried to give money where I can. And, you know, I, um, I'm, I've spon I sponsored a tiger and uh, so I, <laughs> I, I, uh, money goes out every month to, to, to that. Yeah. Um, before, you know, it'd be a great way to kind of raise money in a fun kind of engaging way. And it's a way to get my music out there and it's a way for people to have something kind of unique, you know, and, and something different and um, handcrafted. Mm -hmm. And I knew, and I think it kind of surprised me that CDs were still, you know, a viable outlet. I mean, I know a few people that have bought them, bless them, don't actually own CD players. And I mean, I, I don't myself, um, but obviously the one thing that kind of, uh, you know, the Brits and Pieces compilation showed me was that, there was still a market out there for CD. So vinyl was a bit too expensive on my own. So CDs, it's, um, it's you know, it's cost effective. And yeah, we've been really lucky. I mean, I didn't expect the demand, the demand really. I mean, we, I think we had 27, 30 odd orders from the get go and um, we'd only drawn five. Um, so I remember I got five, drawn for the promo pictures 
And I, I, I said, um, so I, I'm always a bit pragmatic, I suppose. I said, well, let's not draw any more yet because I don't know how many I'll sell. I might not sell any, you know. Um, so then when we sold a lot more than that, we were like, oh my God, we've got to haul ass now and get these drawn and get them out. And <laughs> but we, we've kind of learned our lesson now. We, um, it was a struggle at first to just keep up with that initial demand. And uh, it took a few weeks for people to get them, which I felt bad about. But um, we know now we've got a few kind of done ready. So, oh, yeah. 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 But it's been great. It's been amazing. Um, we've raised over 350 quid for WWF. So that's great. It, it, it just feel, it feels awesome to have been able to have made a contribution and, uh, and to get the music out there as well. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, someone who um, who loves, I, I still insist on buying CDs or or vinyl, um, and so it, I, I do get quite excited when when someone says, "Oh, we've got a physical copy." Don't get me wrong, Spotify and, and all the rest of it's great, but I do like uh, the um, uh, the physical copy, and I think that there's yeah. obviously as you just said yourself, there is still quite a, you know a big market out there for them. Uh, for them think, sort of things yeah and i think another thing as well with the record i should say is that obviously people a fair few people began to know love and exile but there was a lot of older material that i had from the various bands i was in that you know i, I I'm, I'm still quite proud of and i still think some of them hold up you know and i thought well this is a chance for those songs to get discovered as well and i wanted to give people a bit more bang for the book so i thought well rather than do love and exile on cd i'll do a kind of exclusive compilation where you get Love and Exile and seven older songs. And for me, that was just a great way of some of these older songs that perhaps hadn't had much much love back in the day, mm -hmm. a chance for them just to get a bit of renewed appreciation. But even if they didn't get that, just to get heard, really. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a really, it was, it was a, quite a brave idea because of, of doing it, but I think it's worked really well. And um, trying, while you're talking, I was trying to think there was a, on your Spotify playlist, you've got a, a oh, I'm trying to think what it was called. It's like a bit of a compilation album, something to do with four, not not four chords. Oh dear, ten uh, years on four chords. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. But obviously, you know, some people obviously haven't got access to you know the streaming stuff. So I think to include and do it the way you've done, I think um is is fantastic, really. Um, so obviously, live gigs of a back, and for you personally, you, you're getting quite a few, um, you know, gigs back out on the road. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've been you was in London a few weeks back um, at the Walter Rats. Uh, yes, that was with the Blue Tones frontman, wasn't it, Mark Morris? Um, no, the one of the Walter Rats was with the Kind. Oh, with the Kind. Um, Sorry, a big, yeah. big apology. I play... <laughs> no, no, it's, I, I've, I've played with Mark twice um, recently. I played with him in Birmingham at the Grey Lantern. And then I played with him at a festival last week in uh, Beaudley, in, the, in the, the Wire Forest. Yeah, yeah. So you, and that, because that was your first festival slot in about five, six years, wasn't it, I believe? Is that, was that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like when I kind of got started going again with the music last year, I thought it would be amazing to play a festival. Because I didn't play many back in the day, to be honest, when I was mm -hmm. um, gigging regularly. I, didn't have much luck getting getting on festival slots so it felt amazing because we, we got on at five o'clock the sun was uh, be, beating down a uh, really cool atmosphere kind of a night you know a lot of people there 
it was awesome. You know, I thought, well, I never thought I'd be doing this again. So that was that was a great moment. There was a lot of wasps, but it, it was a great. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the live wire festival that was with a full band, wasn't it? Was the one at the water, water act? Was that was that with a full band, or was that just an acoustic? Um, that was solo acoustic, yeah. So um, the first two gigs I did, uh, one was with Jack Cattell. Um, I'm not sure if you know him, but yeah, there you fantastic, go. Great, great fantastic guy, really, really talented. Um, and someone pulled out, so he asked me, bless him, if I fancied it. And I thought, well, this would be great to dip my toe back in. Uh, so I did a solo acoustic gig there. That was fun. Um, uh, there was a few famous faces in the crowd. Laura Horton was there, and uh, so it was good to, <laughs> good to meet her. Um, and yeah, um, the kind were looking for an acoustic opener for their Water Rats gig. And again, just uh, talking about the kindness of Twitter and the other platforms, a few people kind of put my name forward. Um, I didn't even have to pay them any money. I don't know if they're expecting money now, but uh, <laughs> but um, I messaged the kind and just said, yeah, you know, I'll be up for it. Here's my stuff. Um, let me know if you if you want me. And uh, yeah, they, they asked me to play. And uh, again, I... When I started out again last October, I thought it'd be great to do a few gigs, but I never harboured any ambitions to gig outside of the Midlands again because I thought it probably won't happen. So to be able to go on to London and do a gig again after so long was amazing. And to play the Water Rats, which is such an iconic venue, and to meet the kind as well, who were um, really, really talented guys and really down to earth. And uh, yeah, we had a good laugh. Good, great stuff. It's great to hear that you that the that you personally. Are enjoying being back out um, at live gigs again, and I've I've been fortunate myself the last uh, couple of weekends to, to to go and watch some gigs, uh, and yeah, the being back is it's great. So let's let's hope that we're over this uh, this pandemic stuff, and that's it, and we can all carry on as um, as as normal. So um, obviously, several of your tracks have been played uh, on both local and uh, national radio stations. Uh, as well as being played overseas in France, Australia, and the United States. Um, yeah. So do you still get the same buzz on hearing your records being played on the radio, like since the first time? Um, and do you feel is, is radio as an important avenue for getting your music out there when compared with the likes of, you know, social media, you know, Twitter and, and Spotify, etc.? Oh, yeah, I still get a buzz, 100%. Um, it will never get old, and... Um... I will never stop appreciating it, you know, because there are so many musicians out there, um, as you know, and um, we all just want to get our music played and try and get it out there to new audiences. So the fact that my music gets chosen to be played on the radio is is incredible. It's an incredible feeling. And um, I always try my best to, I try my best to listen to shows anyway, you know, because I'm a fan of shows, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, the New Year's music and A.D. Hansen show and the, the Away Day radio guys and stuff like that. But I always try to make, if I'm not gigging, I'll always make sure I listen. And, and I still really do get a buzz. I get, I get the nerves yeah. every time I think they're about to announce my song. And um, then when they do, you know, I'm kind of sitting there, like how I am now, kind of like listening, thinking what they're going to say. Yeah, and um, and just that feeling of when the song's playing, thinking there's people in different parts of uh, the UK and, and maybe further afield that are having this on now, and ho hopefully not switching over. Um, <laughs> so no, it's still a real thrill. I, I don't know whether it's an age thing or, or or what, but I still think 
it's a rite of passage to get played on the radio. I, I always think of when um, they interviewed Sting before and um, they asked him what one of his greatest moments was. And he said when he first got played on the radio and Roxanne got played on the radio and he said, I was painting my uh, living room, he said, and I almost fell off the ladder. He says, <laughs> when my song came on. And um, I think, you know, that was in the 70s. And that's kind of how I feel now. So when my music gets played, I still get that that shock and buzz and, and great feeling. So, and I still, yeah, and in and, and answer to your question, yeah, I, I still think it is a really valuable platform. Um, yes, it's not as powerful as it was before. And, and obviously getting played on more mainstream radio stations is difficult. And, but that obviously I don't know whether it was difficult back in the day either. So it's hard to compare, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but um, no, I, I still think it is a very, very, vital resource for us bands because there's there's multiple benefits from it i think um you know obviously you're getting played on an established platform that's got reach and a good audience and so straight away you 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 know you're up because you know it's all well and good you kind of promoting it yourself but when you've got the backing of kind of an established show or an established station already you you know you start to think oh well, maybe there'll be a new audience that will pick this up um but also it's a chance to hear great music uh, from other bands and form connections from them i mean um one show that i always like listening to is the um, the in your ears um top of the radar chart and uh, i get the same excitement listening to that as if it was the de facto top 40 you know yeah and yeah. um that's always great to listen to just and, and to listen to the playlist as well before, but to listen to that top 20 and you just hear the sheer diversity and the breadth of the music that's going on. And um, it always astounds me when I hear these new songs, just how talented and kind of creative, uh, you know, other unsigned kind of artists are. And, um, and then obviously you start to open dialogues with them and, um, so yeah, it's, I still think it is a really valuable platform. And although obviously social media and Spotify are really powerful, I think uh, there is still a place for radio, if only for that kind of rite of passage of getting yeah. paid on the radio. You know? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, no, I totally, totally get that. I think it's, it's quite interesting actually to hear that you think that because I sort of always had the impression that maybe radio was fading out. Maybe it's where I've just listened too much to to mainstream radio and it's always <laughs> the same songs it doesn't matter whether or not the song is any good or not it's always the same so um yeah it's quite yeah. interesting to, to hit you know it's just the same cycle or you know oh this band have got a new album out and it's quite yeah. funny well uh, well jake jake davy i don't know if you know him, yeah, no, jake uh, yeah yeah great another great sing, singer songwriter he made me laugh the other day when he was talking about radio x claiming to be champions of new music and then playing waiting on a war for the 50th time. And yeah. uh, I, I couldn't stop laughing because uh, whenever I'm in the car, Foo Fighters new stuff comes on all the time. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is difficult. Um, I think those kind of stations is difficult. But also you've got John Kennedy, who's great, and he plays a lot of new music yeah. on Radio X. And, uh, I mean, I listen to Absolute Radio in the car. And um, honestly, uh, like you said about some people might not want to get on the radio and they might not think it's as important, but I know I'd lose my, lose my rat. Like I'd go crazy if I got, if I heard my song on, on, on an absolute or something. Yeah, I can imagine. Definitely. So um, for those that don't know, um, 
you're obviously a Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's been a bit of unrest at the football club over the summer, obviously, with Nuno leaving. Uh, you've got a new manager now who's just come in um, and you haven't had the, the greatest of starts to, to the new season. Um, so what, what do you think would represent uh, a good season for Wolves? Um, and I'm guessing as well, you must be pretty pretty pleased to be having, um, I think they pronounce his name, Rahul, Rahul sorry, Rahul Jones back. Yeah, after his, uh, yeah. he fractured his skull last year, didn't he? Yeah. I must admit, you know, results, are, I know it's a results business, but results have been deceiving because... The football that I've seen so far, and, you know, I hate being one of them fans that says this, like, oh, I ain't watched the game, but, oh, you know, I, I, I haven't been to the games, but obviously I've seen the highlights and my, my brother's a season ticket holder. And um, the football that I've seen, and obviously I haven't seen a full 90 minutes this season yet, but it, it's so much more positive and... Uh, and kind of pressing than it was under Nuno last season. As great as Nuno was, and I'm sure Jack Cattell would agree if you had him on, because we, we talk about this all the time about Wolves and stuff. Uh, as great as Nuno was, and he's, he's a, obviously a club legend, and um, he did incredible things with Wolves. Last season, with or without Jimenez, you know, the football was boring, it was defensive, it was negative. It was not a pleasure to watch at all. So when the news came out that Nuno was leaving, yes, I was incredibly sad and fearful about what could happen. But I also thought, you know, he's had a really good innings with us. He's had a, this, maybe the cycle is coming to an end and maybe it's time for someone new to come in. And I thought, if it means we watch football that's slightly more exciting than last season, then it's a good thing. And yeah, so far, it's so much more, like I say, it's so much more attacking and, there's a lot more of a threat, and I mean, we're utilising the Dama Traore much better. Um, you know, we're getting the ball into the channels for him to kind of run onto. And I mean, I watched the highlights against Spurs, and every time Traore had the ball, they couldn't get it off him. Mm. You know, he was slaloming round players, he was brushing them off, he was outpacing them. And as, as so many people have said, if he could finish, he would. He wouldn't be at Wolves. Let's be well, honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a positive start and um, two narrow losses against two teams that will be in the top six this season, I think. Um, I don't think that's bad. And I think we've got another tough game against Man U, but you never know. We might get something there. The tide, the tide might turn. For me, a good season, I predicted us to finish 13th, but 13th with a but. 13th, but we've played good football and yeah. you know it hasn't been a drag. Whereas last season we finished 13th, 14th, and it, it, it was poor to watch. So, yeah, it's one of them. I don't, I don't anticipate we'll be knocking on the Europa places again, but I think the football we've seen so far, if we can start turning it into results, then, then it will be an entertaining season. Mm, okay, well, good well, good luck to it. And uh, I've, I've got a, a sort of a vested interest uh, in, in, in Wolves anyway. I've got a good friend of mine who is... Um, he was a warm season ticket holder, so I sort of pay a little bit more attention, maybe than what to other teams in the league than what than what yeah. I would do. So, <laughs> so um, going back to the music now. So, um, if you could open a gig for any band, who would you choose? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, uh, I would probably say the road. Well, I, well, maybe this is in bad taste with what's happened to Charlie Watts, <laughs> yeah. sadly, but. My answer would have been the same either way. I probably would say the Rolling Stones. I think, um, obviously, it's such an established band and um, 
a great live band, a band that it would be an honour to support, but a band you could learn so much from, from, mm -hmm. from being around them and from watching them and um, uh, great energy, um, a band I've always looked up to and admired and they're a big influence in, in, in my work and even in Love and Exile, you know, the Stones influenced me a lot, you know, mm -hmm. the more kind of uh, mellow moments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with the Stones. Great, great choice. And uh, obviously, as you say, rest in peace, uh, Charlie Watts. Yeah, it's been a sad week because uh, obviously we lost Don Everly. Yeah. Uh, we've lost uh, Charlie Watts as well. Um, yeah. And obviously we lost Brian Travers from UB40 as well. Um, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's, um, strange, old, strange old week, hasn't it, really, yeah. on that, from, that side of, uh, from that side of things. So um, if you had a musical time machine... Which musical event would you travel back in time to go and see? Woodstock, definitely. I think uh, just to witness that kind of era-defining moment um, to see those different bands. I, I, I'm a big fan of kind of 60s and 70s music and, and clothes from that era. <laughs> Nothing wrong with um, that. Nothing wrong um, with that at all. So... Um, yeah, I've always been a fan of that particular era of music because I feel that's kind of when, obviously Woodstock was late 60s, but I feel the 60s was when kind of rock and roll as we know it now kind of began to kind of form. Mm -hmm. Before that, you had, you know, Little Richard, B.B. Uh, King, uh, Chuck Berry, all icons. Yeah. But for me, the Beatles, the Stones, um, you know, uh, Buffalo oh, Springfield, yeah. those kind of acts, they, they kind of... But uh, the birds as well, Dylan. Obviously, they were bringing rock and roll mm -hmm. as we know it now, and I think to see that then would have been a, a, amazing. And just to see that kind of, uh, just to witness that, you know, that kind of camaraderie, the uh, that landmark event. Just, I think that would be that would be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think another one I would say is uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, but uh, I would have loved to have seen. Um, I would have loved to have seen either REM live because I never got to see them when I'm a huge yeah. REM fan. And I would have loved to have seen um, the Cream reunion in 2005 when the yeah. free reunion with some Cream got back together at the Albert Hall. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been amazing. So the, yeah. the, those are moments I would have gone back to as well. So they're relatively recent. But, uh, yeah, but yeah no, that's safe. You you're in control of the time machine. You can go back <laughs> whenever you want. <laughs> so... Um, uh, I, I think I've got a rough idea what you might be saying, or certainly the bands based on the answers that you've just given. Um, so, what what are your three uh, favourite albums? Uh, oh, again, this changes so regularly, but I would have to say uh, the uh, Revolver by the Beatles has always been kind of my favourite album. Yeah, great album. Uh, I, 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 I love um, pretty much every Beatles record. Um, I think for me, a sign of a great musician or artist or band is one that kind of evolves changes mm -hmm. the same develops so radiohead arctic monkeys um beck you know i always look up to these kind of people paul simon is a big one as well um but revolver yeah for me it's got so many great moments on it and it's it's a record i always come to again and again yeah uh, second would be blood on the tracks by bob dylan yeah um, such an emo uh, kind of a raw emotional record really melodic really powerful um kind of consistent strong songwriting and just an amazing man i think you look at his career how many kind of peaks and troughs and comebacks he's had 
And even then, he was considered old news in the 70s um, and Blood on the Tracks kind of established him as a, as a force to be reckoned with. And uh, it's a phenomenal record and um, a very kind of, uh, you know, allegedly a very personal record to him. And um, you can you can hear that kind of pain in, in, in it. And um, yeah. yes, that's, that's one I love. Um, third favourite album, uh, oof, tough because uh, this one kind of changes all the time but uh i would probably actually believe it or not go for the one behind you there exile on main street um <laughs> again um such a fantastic i'm just double checking it is exile yeah on no main it, is, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah 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 you're only um, the second person to notice i've got an album there so <laughs> yeah an, an amazing double album uh double albums are rare to get right i feel i feel that quality control can go out the window sometimes but Exile on Main Street um, has kind of has is the essence of the Stones for me. If anyone said to me what Stones album should I listen to first, I would always say Exile on Main Street. I think such a rich kind of production um, flirts with country, flirts with rock. Yeah, um, it's a real fun album. But um, but honestly, it changes so often. There's so many records that I love and 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 go to for inspiration. Yeah, it's, it's difficult just to pick three, and I think just on the um, obviously on Exile on Main uh, on Main Street, obviously the story behind you know where the Stones were actually as, as a band at that time as well. I think just adds to the um, like the yeah. intrigue to to the record and, and and gives different you know different meaning maybe to, to the song. So, um, what what's next on the agenda then for you? Um, are, there, are we going to be expecting any more new music from you before the year's over, or any more gigs? What, what what's the plans? Um, yeah, I'm trying to just kind of make hay while the sun shines, really, you know. Um, I keep expecting to be found out at some point and, and all the offers will dry up. So I'm uh, I'm just making the most of it before uh, before I have to uh, spend more and more time in, in, in the spare room at the house. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I say, I've been really, really fortunate with some great gig offers um, that have come my way. Um, so um, in September, we've got a fairly busy schedule. We're um, playing a festival in Oxford on the Saturday, Front Row Festival, uh, which looks, it's a really great bill. I'm really looking forward to playing that. Uh, the next day, I'm in London for the Islington Radio Festival, oh, yes. yep. um, which again, it was one I kind of entered and didn't expect to hear anything. And then when I found out I was in, I was, I was stunned. Um, I'm playing on the Sunday with... Um, some really talented people again. Uh, Alex Om is playing yeah. that night and someone I've always looked up to, being a fellow kind of West Midlands artist, um, yeah. someone, uh, you know, us kind of Midland acts look up to and, and learn a lot from. Um, and then I'm playing with Alex again uh, on the 16th of September, a few days afterwards, uh, at a really, really beautiful renovated church in Litchfield. Um, and I'm playing with him and Perry Manning, which I'm, um, really excited about because yeah. I've not met Perry yet and I'm really excited to to again put a face to a name and 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 I know he's going to be fantastic and um yeah that's in Litchfield at a really nice venue it's kind of going to be an unplugged set and um that's a full band set and so we're going to kind of do an MTV unplugged style nice nice so I'm looking forward to that and uh yeah we're playing in Worcester on the 30th of September and then we're playing in Manchester for listen up music uh, with uh, Vela Incident, Lost yeah. Line, and Bridges um, on November sixth. Um, so yeah, just just rattling off those those gigs. Uh, it shocks me just uh, 
such amazing opportunities have come my way and um yeah i'm really really thankful for them and i can't can't wait to do them um gonna be really exciting and um in terms of new music uh, there won't be any more this year um i think i'm a bit old-fashioned in that respect where the ep came out and now it's time to kind of gig and yeah. promote and kind of try and get it out there to new audiences and um in the past i've been very guilty of releasing a record and then kind of detaching myself from it and then instantly working on new stuff and then when it comes to gigs i'm kind of bored of the stuff that's out and i want to do the new stuff <laughs> so for me at the moment i'm still very much in kind of love and exile mode you know yeah. and i want to make sure that i want to make sure i do it justice really i, I want to make sure that i promote it heavily and i i want to make sure i do everything i can to get it to get it into you know people's ears if you know what i mean i, I want to yeah. make sure that next year i can look back and think well i did everything i could with gigs and promotion online to get love and exile out there and uh, yeah so that's the plan but there will be new music definitely and that that I, I it really pleases me to say that because i've you know i wasn't sure what, where this journey would take me i didn't have any long-term ambitions really i i wasn't sure what would ever happen once the ep came out the ep coming out was always the end goal that was whatever happened after that you know it would be a great bonus yeah, and sure. um, I'm still here now, a few months on, getting to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I'm really privileged to do that. And um, like I say, I, I've really, really enjoyed the solo acoustic gigs, but I've really enjoyed playing with a band again. And um, they're really talented guys and um, they kind of make me look good. I'm, I'm probably the worst member in the band, to be honest with you. Um, but um, but yeah, it's been so, it's, it's really nice to sit here and feel that there's plans afoot you know for both gigs and uh, and yeah we are we are recording new stuff soon um, but it won't be out till till next year i think i think people need a break i want to i want to give people a, a bit of a breather how do you know <laughs> <laughs> well the um the gigs that you've mentioned there um obviously you're getting to play alongside as you said some some great guys obviously perry and and alex there i'm, I'm really big fan of, of of the stuff that i've heard of, of theirs in the last sort of 12 months or so so you're in you're in great company there and um it is it, i mean from the bottom of my heart is is richly deserved as well you the album's fantastic sorry the ep is is fantastic and i'm sure that there's plenty more people like me out there that that appreciate your record and um oh, thank you. And, and and everything so i'm sure that you'll you'll continue to grow um at these gigs and and i can't wait to hear some more new music from you as well in the future yeah, thank you. I mean, like I say, the one thing I always wanted, I think, when people ask me kind of what was my goal with music was always kind of like, I always wanted to be able to announce a gig and people to buy tickets. And yeah. that sounds that sounds simple, but it's not. You know, in the past I've announced gigs and then it's like, I've had to kind of pester my mates and then pester my family to come. And I always thought one day it'd be lovely to announce a gig and, and see people coming and go, oh, I'm, I'll come to that or, or I've just bought my ticket. and. At the moment, I've been really lucky where that's happened a few times now, and I'm still shocked. Like, I, I read it back and I go, you bought tickets to see me? You know, um, it doesn't feel real, and that's all I ever really wanted. So, and that doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's two people or 200, you know, just, uh, yeah. just that there's people that actually want to come and see me, and I haven't had to pester them, you know. It uh, feels amazing. So, like I say, I'm, I'm going to enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts, you know, and uh, make the most of it. Yeah, well, as I say, it is it's richly deserved. So I, I don't think you've got to worry about 
about people coming to see you so I, I think they you know they it's sincere and they, and they genuinely mean it so um unfortunately that is the end of the podcast um i thank you very much for coming on and chatting to me it's been an absolute pleasure to to finally as i said, said at the beginning to sort of talk to you face to face uh or you know we're we're on zoom um yeah. i personally can't wait to see what's in store next for you and i, I look forward to um the new music that might be coming up next year and I wish you all the luck in the world with the upcoming live dates as well that you, that you mentioned. Um, you. If you haven't already uh, given Sam a follow, um, then he's on social media, including Twitter and Instagram as well. You can hear all of his music on Spotify, including his EP, uh, Love and Exile. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode. I'll be forever grateful if you could like, retweet, subscribe and comment uh, on the podcast. Sam, I wish you all the best of luck in the world and hopefully one day I'll have a beer with you at one of your gigs. <laughs>